You know, when Adam was up here speaking, it kind of got me thinking because this week has been a little crazy for me, and I'm sure for you guys as well. I mean, what week isn't a little crazy for all of us? But um, I was thinking about how when, when times go back and forth, we think about being tossed by the waves, the ups and the downs. Um, a lot of times when we're being pulled under and when those waves are over our head, it's easy to kind of wallow in that and fear that. And so, Adam, thank you for that this morning because that's just another opportunity for praise. We know that the waves don't, that there's an up to them too, right? That it's not permanent. And I was thinking about my week and how if I only based my happiness on my circumstances, if I only had joy because of circumstances, I would be a mess constantly, right? Up and down, up and down. Um, my stepbrother lost his mother on her birthday last week, on her oh. 60th birthday to cancer, which is a horrible, horrible disease. And I was lucky enough to have a principal who allowed me the time to go and spend with him. Um, and then I came back from that to my daughter's reveal party to find out I'm going to have a grandson. So, you know, it's <laughs> those, those up and ups and downs are always there. Um, and so that's why we can't look at those, right? We have to look at the one in control of all of that. So that actually wasn't in here. But um, I'm just going to share some things that have come to me in the, in the past week or so. They may or may not make sense, but I'll get you out of here early, so there's that. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. So, I was, as I was kind of sitting there thinking, so Tom asked me to speak today months and months ago, and I don't know how many of you are like me in this way, but I am a really good perfectionist procrastinator. Like, I want things to be done just right. I'm considered a perfectionist, right? Like, things have to be just right. But I do them at the last minute. Because if I start too early, I have more time to mess it up, right? So I knew for months he wanted me to speak today. And I just kept saying, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to talk about. And last week, um, actually last Saturday morning, as I was getting ready to come to the Women's Day, to the women's event, um, I felt something, and, and God said, this is what I want you to look at. Whether it makes sense or not, this is what I want you to talk about. So I know that he can use my inadequacies and my words to get what you need from this. So please listen for him, not for me. Um, with that being said, I was thinking about how this time of year, like it's today it's beautiful outside, the sun's out, but the past few days have been so cloudy and so dark, and I think about how often I miss that sunshine. I'm a summer person. If it could be 75 degrees every day and only rain when I'm sleeping, because I like the sound of rain, but only when I'm sleeping, that would be perfect. And so I've, I find this time of year with the time change and the sun sets earlier and earlier, and it feels like there's so much more darkness, I don't go outside as much. <clears throat> The only thing I like about winter is that all the bugs die because <clears throat> I don't like bugs. But I'll take all the bugs if I can have sunshine. And so I find this time of year I become a little more, 
I think I'm part bear. I just want to hibernate. I want to cocoon up in my basement with a blanket and turn on old movies or football um, and just not move. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to stay in my little cocoon. And um, I also find that I turn on the lights in my house a lot earlier. I don't like it dark, right? I, I have lights in my living room that dim, you know, and I don't know why, because I always turn them on very bright. Um, but I find that I'm turning on the lights earlier and earlier. I turn the heat on higher and higher, right? It just seems like I'm trying to create this artificially perfect environment in my house so I don't have to go outside and deal with winter. And so as the season changes, I find myself kind of changing a little bit too. I, I don't like the cold. Um, as you guys know, I complain about it being cold in here all the time. It is not cold today, just saying. Um, and so I have to work really hard not to let my mood be controlled by the weather. And so instead, I, I try to get myself to focus on the joy of the upcoming Christmas season because Christmas is kind of that bright spot right in the, in the middle of winter. And so I try to force myself to go spend time with people that I know will lift my spirits. I treat myself to some nice new warm, cozy sweatshirts. I drink a lot more coffee and hot chocolate, right? Like I look for those little bright spots in, in the darkness of winter. And so as I was thinking about that, this image from God just kept coming back to me about light. There was nothing more to it at, the, at that time. Like initially I just kept seeing light and I kept hearing the word light. And I kept thinking, well, I can't talk for 20 minutes just on the word light. So I spent some time um, praying and I spent some time in the word. And to be honest, the time with the women last Saturday was, I, I heard more of a message as we were going through, not just the videos, but more importantly, the fellowshipping. Um, because last Saturday when I woke up, I was really tempted just to curl back up under my covers and say, you know, maybe I just don't feel well today. But as always, God knows what he's doing and he wouldn't let me go back to sleep. So to be honest, I really don't know how these thoughts go together yet or where it's going to lead, but I do know that God can and will speak through his words no matter how badly I screw them up. I do know that I'm on the right track at least. Um, because as I was sitting there the other day trying to put all of these thoughts together, I was sitting at my dining room table and in my house, the dining room table faces the front window, which by the way, I've discovered that everyone who drives past can see me sitting at my dining room table um, when my neighbor started honking his horn on his way to work every day. But <laughs> on one hand though, it is very comforting. A friend of mine lives down the road and her husband goes past my house every morning to work and he checks to make sure I'm sitting there because he wants to make sure I'm okay. So that, that's kind of comforting. Um, but as I was sitting there trying to put these thoughts together, it was cold and it was cloudy and it was a typical fall morning. And just as I was about to give up and say, I can't do this, I'm just gonna call Tom and tell him that I'm not feeling well. Um, this beautiful single ray of sunshine, just this beam of light, came right through my front window, right across my Bible, right to my lap, just for a few minutes, and then it was gone again. And I was like, all right, 
<sighs> I guess I can't make any excuses. So, um, so I knew that was a reminder. It was a reminder that this isn't about me. God has something to say about light, and hopefully whatever is meant for you today will come through. And so I'm going to try to get through all my stumbling and stuttering here. And I want to start at the beginning. In Genesis, um, in Genesis 1, 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And it just reminded me that this is where God began his love letter to us, right? With creation, with light. And I've read this passage many, many times. Um, for a long time, I would read the Bible cover to cover once a year. And so I, I've read this passage many times, and I absolutely love that image of God and his power just speaking light into existence. I mean, there's, there's no other way for it to happen. But as I was studying for this message, I realized something about that passage for the first time, I think. Um, God saw that the light was good. I think we all remember that. And he declared it so. He didn't declare the darkness good. Right? I mean, he, he focused on the light. But I think what stood out to me this time is that he separated the two when he could have simply just eliminated the darkness. He could have removed it. He, he could have taken it away, and he chose not to. He could have chosen to only allow light in the world, but he didn't. He separated them for a purpose. And I think part of that reason is because we need constant reminders of this miracle of God and his creation. I mean, regardless of how difficult a day is or a night is for us, we have that promise of a sunrise. We have that promise that the light comes back. And we need that reminder. If, if that darkness wasn't there, if it wasn't separated, then we wouldn't see that difference in God's love. So I think that Every morning when that sunrise is that reminder that he's with us and he's powerful and he makes all things new. So he starts his story with that creation of light and its declaration that it's good. So as I was mulling over that and kind of thinking more about it, several different images or thoughts about light came to me and I haven't quite figured out why they're all running around in my head. Um, I was hoping that I would just wake up this morning and miraculously, you know, I'd have a message beginning to end and it would be brilliant. And, but that's not the case. So I'm just going to share them. And I'm hoping that by the end of this, something will speak to us. One of the first images that has gotten me thinking about this idea of light is the electricity in my house. Right? I, I said that I like turning the lights on earlier and earlier. I don't like it when it's dark in there. Um, to be honest, I don't have a clue how electricity works. I'm really grateful, though, that when I walk into a dark room, I can flip a switch and I can see. And that's, that's, that's all I need to know about it. Um, because there are so many obstacles in the dark. And 
Nicole, you'll relate to this, that especially you know, if you have cats that are intent on running and stopping right under your feet in the dark, that's not good. You can't see them. My, my cat is dark gray, same exact color as all of my furniture. Not the best idea, but so my cat is, and when I walk up and downstairs, I can't walk in the dark because she will dart to the next step I'm going to go to and stop. And so <laughs> there's all the, and I get mad, by the way, if I step on her tail. Um, so there's all these obstacles in the dark, and I know that you guys can relate to that. Most of us, when we walk into a dark room, immediately turn on a light. And so, by the way, when my cat does that, I have to stop and pet her. That's the whole purpose, right? But only for a minute, then she's going to bite me and say that's enough and run off. And so, so once the sun goes down, I start turning on lights. They kind of bring me this sense of security. Um, there's a sense of knowing. I know where everything is. I can see it. And I can be more productive, too, because let's be honest, no one's going to sit and wash their dishes in the dark. And no one's, I, I can't grade my papers for school or plan my lessons in the dark. Um, and so I need that to, to be able to do those things and to read, of course, way past my bedtime. And so generally, electricity is pretty reliable. If a light bulb burns out, I replace it. It's not a big deal. Um, but once in a while, something can cause an interruption, maybe a windstorm, someone crashes into a pool or a line, right, and the power goes out. And not necessarily right at first, but if it's late at night and it's dark and the power goes out, panic sets in for me because that's my light. I need that. And so if it's light enough outside, like right now, I don't need to turn on a light, right? But as it gets dark, the first thing I do is start looking for a different light source. I look for a flashlight or I look for a candle or worst case scenario, I turn on the flashlight on my phone. Not long because I can't charge it if there's no electricity. Um, but none of those things have as much power as the lights in my house. When I turn on all the lights in my house, it's really bright. And so these small slivers of light in comparison are enough to comfort me, but not enough to take me out of total darkness. The thing is, if the power's out too long, I've noticed I adapt to it. Right? My eyes start to adjust to the dimmer light in the room. I might even find the dark a little soothing. I can, I can cover up with a blanket. I can hide away from everything. My responsibilities for the day are done. I can't do any work. There's no power. Right? And so I, I can't do any, I can't watch TV. I can't do dishes. I can't do laundry. I have no choice but to just stop. And everything kind of stops. And so it's a great excuse to just be lazy. After a while, I might not even think so much about when is the power going to go back on. I'm thinking more about, hey, I have ice cream in the freezer that's going to melt, and I should probably go eat all of that. And so that's what I do. I settle in with my big dish of ice cream, and I get comfortable, and I wait for the power to come back on. I don't need to take any initiative. There's nothing I can do. I'm just going to sit around and wait. I don't have a way to reconnect that power myself. I'm relying on someone else. And so as I was thinking about that, another example came to me because this has been a big topic of discussion at work. And I'm not sure if anyone else, if your workplace has talked about this yet, but we have been having debate over debate about the upcoming eclipse in April. 
Do we go to school? Do we keep kids home? What do we do? And so I was reading up a little bit on it because so many people have been talking about it and our boss has asked us kind of what are our thoughts and what do we think we should do as a school district. And so I do think schools will likely be closed. I think most of them have already announced that. Um, a lot of offices may do the same. And according to the experts, I'm going to say that loosely because I don't know who the experts are. It's not me. A total solar eclipse happens when the moon is exactly between the sun and the earth. And so it casts its shadow on a small patch of the earth's surface. And if you're in the path of totality, you will see the moon slide in front of the sun. And all you'll see is this thin crescent of the sun around it. And then it'll blot out the sun altogether for a few minutes. And it says during totality, the sun's wispy outer atmosphere known as the corona, becomes visible. And while the landscape down below, so everything that we see will turn nearly as dark as night, it'll block out all the light, but the sun's still there, right? It hasn't gone anywhere. Just like all the lights in my house are still there, even when there's no power. Um, during the eclipse, you definitely can't look at the sun, even though it will be covered. You have to use these special viewing glasses, which our district bought for all of the students. Because even though it appears dark, if you look at that, it can still cause damage to your eyes. And according to these same experts, several articles say that this eclipse can also have an effect on your emotional state because of the way the moon, uh, I don't know, whatever effect it has on the moon, supposedly it can also affect your emotions. So some people, they say, will find it very awe-inspiring and they will find it inspirational and they'll be moved to tears because of this beauty and this majesty and these things that are happening. And they'll be more social because this will be a collective event that everyone shares together. Um, but for other people, they said that it can be kind of like seasonal depression. It can cause minor disruptions in your mood. It can cause people to be sad. Um, it can cause people to be afraid because the sun's blocked out. But either way, the removal of the sunlight for even that short period of time has an effect on us. So during the eclipse, I, I kept having this feeling that the moon is kind of like all of the problems and the negativity and the things that are around me. And normally, the purpose of the moon is to reflect the sun, right? That's why there's light at night. Um, and its job is to keep that light in the sky like during the darkest of times. By reflecting the light, it's absorbed from the sun. But during an eclipse, it's not doing that. Instead, it's blocking it out. And so these images kept coming to me, and I kept thinking that, like, maybe sometimes I'm like the moon. I'm supposed to reflect the sun. I'm supposed to reflect Jesus to the rest of the world. Um, I should be doing that through my thoughts, through my actions, through my words, my service. But sometimes, when I'm too comfortable in the darkness, I block him out instead. I get in my happy little cocoon that I've made for myself and I don't worry about anything else and I just sit and wait, right? I wait for the power to come back to me, but I'm not doing anything to absorb that power myself. I'm not doing anything to take initiative. I'm more like the lights in my house when the power goes out. I'm still connected. I'm God's child no matter what no matter how much I try to hide and cocoon myself in the darkness, 
But if I'm not doing my part and I've moved away from him, then I become like the moon in the eclipse. And so that kind of got me thinking. So I have this light in my, this is normally in my room. Um, And it kind of got me thinking that when I first accepted Jesus and he came into my heart, he was like this spark, right? He took over everything. It was new and it was wonderful and um, I couldn't contain my excitement and I was sharing him with everyone and I was talking about him all the time and thanking him for all these wonderful things. And so that's what happened, right? He was like this huge bright spark. And (laughs) um, it changes everything forever. This is also a good time because that's something we should be doing all the time to remind people that if you haven't accepted Jesus, if you haven't felt that spark, if that light hasn't come on for you, or you're still seeking, or you're still unsure, it's, it's really simple. You just need to confess with your mouth that he's Lord. You just need to believe it in your heart. You just need to ask him to forgive you for that darkness and for that sin. And then you're his child, and, and nothing changes that whether the the moon blots out light in your life or whether you're tossed by those waves back and forth, you will be his forever. So if you feel that now, just ignore me the rest of the time and talk to him. And so my random thoughts keep coming back to this. I keep hearing a challenge from God, and, and I'd like to share it with you, if you guys will indulge me for a second. So I was thinking when God separated that light from darkness and creation... I'm still struggling to do that in my life. I struggle to separate that light from that dark. I say I want to follow Jesus. I say I give him everything. And then I turn to things that are dark. Because it's easy to do, I think, sometimes, because this world has so much darkness around us. And it starts by sneaking in, right? We don't necessarily think about it. It's just, oh, that's not so bad. I'm not... I'm not any worse than anyone else. As a matter of fact, I'm better than most people, right? I don't do these horrible things. It's just a little white lie. It's just not giving 100% at work on one day. It's just not serving when I have the ability. It's just not giving when someone needs me or not really listening, right? These aren't horrible things. This is pretty normal for our world. But these things kind of sneak in, and they start to dim that light, and they get in the way, and they start to block it out. I think there's so much negativity in our world because that line between light and dark is becoming harder and harder to see. Artificial light can block out true light. This is wonderful in the middle of the night when I need to get up and not trip over my cat but it doesn't compare to the sunshine, right? These, these things that I might chase that seem good but aren't God, they don't compare. And so the cares and the problems of this world start to cut off the power and the electricity. And I just want you to take a minute and just to yourself kind of think of the things that could dim that light in your own lives or in the lives of people around you or the things in society. I mean, all you have to do is turn on the news right? All you have to do is look at social media. 
All you have to do is listen in public how people talk to each other. It's all around us. There are these things that worry us or frustrate us or scare us, things that seem impossible to come back from or things that make us want to hide in our blanket and block out the world. And what happens is our light starts to dim, right? The things from the world come in. We still have light. It's still there. It's just not the same. That, that separation between light and dark becomes more and more blurry. And what's sad is to me that it's really easy for me to fill my thoughts with those things. It's really easy. It doesn't take me very long to look at my own life and start listing all the things I'm worried about, right? My family, the kids at school, my health, my finances, my job. You know, I, I look at the things around me, the violence in the world, the fear, this hatred we see of people towards one another and the fighting and the selfishness. And it's really easy for me to find things to complain about. And I become almost like that little bit of yeast in the dough, right? Everyone at work is complaining and you just have to chime in with all the things going wrong and jump on that bandwagon and continue to complain. And so that, that's easy, but it dims the lights and it takes away our power and it leaves us feeling like we're in a really dark place. The good news is God won't leave us there, right? Just like the sun after that eclipse when the moon moves out of the way or just like the power in my house when the electricity comes back on and it's restored, God is the spark and he's the connection to let the light back in. We have to be willing to connect to it. I mean, we can't just sit and hide. Um, he won't force it. He's a gracious God, he's a loving God, but he's also a God who gives us free will. He's not going to force us to take his light. But how much better do we feel, right? When I open the, the blinds in my house in the morning and the sunshine is streaming in, how much better do I feel than when I close up the curtains and hide? If I refuse to come out from that blanket because I feel safe, I'm missing out on the light. It's not there. I have to go to it. Um, under the blanket, I might have a false sense of security and I might feel safe, but I'm actually isolated and I'm disconnected, not just from God and his power, but who he created me to be because I was created as part of a family, a community. And when I cut myself off from that, I'm not 100% me. And so I will admit that sometimes the light comes back to me slowly. Sometimes it's like the lights in my basement on the dimmer and I have to turn them up as the darkness gets darker, right, around me. And so sometimes we are in a place where this is as bright as our light can shine. And that's why we need each other. And that's why we need to turn to God. And that's because the light can be really scary if you've been in the dark for a long time. Right, when the power's out and your eyes have adjusted and that light comes back on and it's bright, the first thing we do is shield our eyes from it and start turning off lights. There's too many. It's too bright. And the light can expose things and so we shield our eyes. And, but when we allow ourselves to soak in that light, that's when we receive a rejuvenation, like we're reanimated. Think of when you sit on the beach right? And you just 
lay back, and no matter how tightly you close your eyes, that sun's still shining on you. You can still feel it. And we just want to soak it in. There is something relaxing and refreshing about it. And we feel kind of bathed in this warmth and this love. And I think that's what God wants for us. He separated that light from that darkness so we would know what was from him and what wasn't. We have to be able to know the difference. And we're made for the light. We can't stop the darkness. We can't do it. That's not within our power. It's not possible to avoid it or hide from it or, or isolate from it. But we can connect to the light of God. We can connect to his power. And then we can allow that to refresh and rejuvenate us so we can go out into the world to shine that light, to find those dark hidden corners and help people come out from that. So when the world tries to cover our light or dim it with the problems or the evil around us, our job is to dig into God's word. Our job is to dig into prayer, to be in community, to reconnect to the power because the more lights that are on, the brighter we are in the world, right? And so my challenge to you is to take the lists of things that you've thought about or even that you write down, the things that cause you worry and fear, and then flip that switch so you can reconnect to God's light and, com and combat the darkness with it. And so I'd like to end by sharing some of the verses that came to me about light. Of course, we started with Genesis, and Genesis 1-3 is, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And if we listen, he'll speak to us and provide us with light too. Ephesians 5.13 says, But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. 1 Thessalonians 5.5 says, For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of the darkness. Matthew 5.14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Proverbs 4.18 says, But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn that shines brighter and brighter until the full day. John 11.9, Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Right? We don't shine our light so people look at us. It's not a spotlight. It's a floodlight. Right? It's a floodlight to lead them to God. Psalm 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Ecclesiastes 11.7, The light is pleasant and it is good for the eyes to see the sun. Psalm 18:28 says, For you light my lamp, the Lord my God illuminates my darkness. Psalm 112:4, Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious and compassionate and righteous. John 12:46 says, I have come as light into the world so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in the darkness. And the last one, John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. 
And so this is my challenge. When you list out those problems and those troubles and the fears and the worries and the things you pray about, the things that come from the darkness or the things that have potential to dim the light in your life, cover each one with his word. I've started doing this in my journal where I'll write things that, that I'm worried or concerned about and then I'll write a verse to counteract it and flip it over the top of it. I want to focus and see that verse, not that list, because God's already got it covered. And so let his word become the spark to connect you back to his power so that when his light shines so brightly, right, there's no room left in the darkness. Every time one of those areas of darkness threaten to overwhelm you and you want to reach for your comfortable blanket and hide on your couch, fight it back with his word or fight back by calling another one of his children, fight back by turning up that praise and worship music, fight it by going for a walk and looking at the glory of God around you. You're, none of us are alone. We can speak his word over the darkness and he will bathe us in his light until we're filled with such warm radiance and love that we can't help but let that shine out of us into the rest of the world. We're overcomers through Christ. And so I want you to think about that if, if we're struggling to find that light and to reconnect to that, God is not just the light for us. He's also the beacon to lead back to him. He serves as light and he is the lighthouse as well.